Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 112. So my friends, this week I am tackling the final batch of Tales of Vader's Castle. So last year, I think around Halloween in episode 76 of Comics and Canon, I tackled the first batch of Tales of Vader's Castle. Then in episode 103, I tackled Return to Vader's Castle. And now it is the final of the trilogy, which is the Ghosts of Vader's Castle. All three batches were written by Kevin Scott. They have a host of guest artists and they're all horror anthology stories. Some are parodies, some are slightly more original, but the majority of them are parodies. So really, really cool. If you're a horror fan, I really recommend picking these up, but obviously they are published by IDW Publishing, not by Marvel. So you can't find them on Marvel Unlimited, so they're a little bit harder to get. Another reason I like doing this show, getting all these slightly obscure comics. But these ones are actually a gift to me by my friend Alex Hart, who if you listen to Genuine Chit Chat, you may know who he is. He's been on the show a few times. Uh, but it was a really cool surprise. He got me like last year and it's finally cool to be able to read them because they are a lot of fun. I would also recommend you check out episode 74 of Star Wars Comics in Canon because in that I tackle the finale of the 2017 run of Darth Vader comics and it goes into how his fortress was actually created. It's a really, really cool story. It's one of my favourite Vader stories and it has arguably my favourite individual Star Wars comic in ever, which is the finale to Darth Vader 2017. I believe it's issue 25. I think that's where they finish it. So go listen to that podcast if you haven't already and please pick up those comics because the 2017 run of Vader comics written by Charles Saul is just absolutely incredible. Now, if you haven't joined Star Wars Comics in Canon before, I go through each of these comics. I go through the general plot details, and along the way, I give you additional information of connected content, including characters that reoccur, species, planets, that sort of thing. So it really serves as a guide to the comics without you having to pick them up. If you have picked them up, you kind of get a broader view of the canon, as well as a nice refresher. So with that all in mind, let's get into this story. So there aren't going to be any crawls for these five stories. The framing story is set around four to five years after the Battle of Yavin, so it's just shortly after Return of the Jedi, it's after Death Star 2 was destroyed, after Palpatine and Vader have been killed, and it is around the time when the New Republic are starting to take hold, but it took about a year and a half until the Battle of Jakku, which is generally considered to be the end of the Empire for the vast majority. It was when when they stopped having full control, really, was when Palpatine died. Then after the Battle of Jakku, the military really disbanded and then became more of the Imperial Remnant, which is what we're seeing in the Mandalorian and the extended Mandoverse, as it were, where there are just pockets of Imperials still clutching for control. Whereas I think in Legends, it took like 10 plus years to be able to like get rid of the Empire or beat the Empire fully. There was still a very big power struggle between the New Republic and the Empire in Legends. But in canon, it was about 
about a year and a half and then there was just bits and pieces kind of spread across the galaxy but that's where we are in this story within a year of the end of return of the jedi and also i will note here that although these comics are canon and the framing story itself is canon the anthology stories that are horror stories unlike the previous two these ones are pretty much all dreams so the things that actually happen in them are not technically canon it's a canon dream so someone dreamt about these things but just be aware of that with your amazing canon knowledge that you're accumulating from listening to this show because there are some really cool and very crazy strange things that happen in here but they are dreams so keep that in mind So let's move into these comics then. So the writer for all these comics is Kevin Scott and the artist and colour artist for the framing stories is Francesco Francavilla. So that means that all the stories that are set in air quotes present day, it'll be obvious when I go through them here. Each of the individual issues has their own artist and colour artist. Some of them is the same person, some of them is two people, but I'll get onto that when we get to each of these issues. Issue number one was released September 22nd, 2021. Issue number five was released October 20th, 2021. And the trade paperback collection was released in January 25th, 2022. So let's delve into the first issue. So this is called Dawn of the Droids. The artist for it is Megan Levins and the colour artist is Charlie Kirchhoff. So the story starts with Vinay in Vader's castle. Now, Vinay is one of Vader's kind of, I say right-hand man, but that's not really it. He just kind of follows Vader around and worships him and stuff. He's been in all of the Vader's castle comics. He was actually in a recent episode of Crimson Reign. I think it was Crimson Reign number four, which is when the Knights of Ren attacked Vader's fortress. So go check that out. It's a really, really cool issue. Or you can listen to my episode on it that was only out a few weeks ago in episode 108. So you can check that out if you fancy it. But he also appeared in the Not Strictly Can and Lego Terrifying Tales. Uh, so he's basically just the, he's almost like the caretaker of Fortress Vader, and he is also a worshipper of the dark side of the Force. And you do actually get to see him in live action in Rogue One when Orson Krennic goes to Fortress Vader. So anyway, Vinay in Vader's castle, it's been, as I said, within about a year of Return of the Jedi, so Vader's been dead for a little while, and Vinay hears some sort of voice, and he starts talking to it, and he basically discusses a ritual to bring back Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith, and the voice that is talking to Vinay is claiming to be Darth Vader. So while this is happening, there's a gentleman named Milo Graff who's in the Graff Archive. So Milo is the brother of Lena Graff. She's been the main character in these Vader's Castle comics for the most part. And she's also in the Star Wars Adventures comics, which is what this falls into. Star Wars for all ages, in a way. And Kevin Scott's written quite a lot of them, mainly the Adventures in Wild Space, which centers around her as well. And more recently, Lena actually appeared somewhat, she was mentioned, in Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith book. It's a really, really cool book. I highly recommend it. But there's an interaction with Lando and Luke where they get a ship from Lena Graff that I just thought, that was a really cool little connection. So it made me smile. Now, this graph archive that Milo is in was an Imperial library. The Imperials didn't really treat it very well. Some of the physical texts have been damaged. Some of the data banks have been corrupted, but it is now the Graf's archive. I believe it was the Graf's archive before the Empire because the Graf's are a very important name for hyperspace. I think I've mentioned this before in prior episodes, but basically the Graf's and the Santecas were two of the major families responsible for the modern hyperspace lanes. So they basically go out, they do a route, check it out to make sure that there's no asteroids that are going to hit it or any substantial gravitational pulls that are going to affect it. And if it's all safe to travel through at a speed faster than light speed, then they make that hyperspace lane. And that's kind of how hyperspace lanes work in Star Wars in general. But yeah, the Graf's are a very big family in the point of like, 
like the High Republic, I think they're very affluent. And I think the further you go back, the richer they are. But nowadays in modern Star Wars, because hyperspace and things, there aren't really many frontiers for that. There's not many adventurers, people going out finding new hyperspace lanes. I don't think that the Graf family is now as rich and powerful as it once was, but they do have this big archive. So who knows? So while Milo is in this archive looking through some stuff, he is talking to Lena via comms. And Mustafar is mentioned, and then Lena is freaked out a little bit by that. And they have a little back and forth. She says, you're not thinking about going to Mustafar, are you? Because of, you know, Vader's castle, blah, blah, blah. And Milo's like, well, probably not. Although it would be really cool to go see. And obviously with the fall of the Empire, and obviously as Vader's dead, it would actually be a quite cool place to go. But not necessarily. I'm not really sure about going there. But it's just interesting reading these things and finding all this information out. After a bit more talking, they then amicably end the communication and Lena goes off to do whatever she was doing and then Milo talks to the droid. The droid with him is Crater, C-R-8-R, Crater, and Crater has appeared in the other two Vader's Castle batches of comics as well as other comics with Lena Graf in it. It's generally her droid, but Milo says to the droid that he's been having this strange dream after reading a Clone Wars report. So we go into his telling of the dream. So you've got Padme Amidala, Anakin Skywalker, R2-D2, C-3PO, and Jar Jar Binks. They are all heading to this planet called Rubinero that I've never seen before, I couldn't find any other log of, against the Senate's wishes. Basically, there's a settlement there that's been there since the High Republic, but they've recently stopped responding to communication, so Padme wanted to check it out. They walk around this town that's basically completely empty, apart from some droids and things, so they decide to split up to explore. 3PO finds this droid that's got glowing green eyes and is making some weird noises, while the others are looking around the town just finding lots of deactivated droids. Anakin then spots 3PO and goes towards him, but then 3PO lunges at Anakin, and Anakin's kind of like, what? What's happening here? And then he notices there's some red wiring that's kind of coming out of him. Anakin slices 3PO when he just won't let up, and is like, you know, sorry, we'll fix you in a bit. But then the red wiring connecting 3PO starts to move and grab itself and pull itself together, rebuilding 3PO, and 3PO is still kind of going after Anakin, and his eyes are now glowing green as well. Then suddenly a lot of the other droids in the area, their eyes start to glow green as well and they start to attack. So they attack Jar Jar and Padme. Anakin then gets wrapped up by the wiring from 3PO. He does manage to get free, but then he runs with Jar Jar and Padme trying to escape. His robotic hand then starts to attack Padme. So Jar Jar thinks quickly and launches a panel at Anakin which slices his arm off, which is probably the coolest thing Jar Jar maybe has ever done in his life, but obviously this was a dream so that's probably why. 3PO then gets R2-D2 and his eyes start to glow green as well, so then all the droids start to swarm the only organics left, so Jar Jar, Padme and Anakin leave on the ship. Padme and Anakin then discuss how strange this all is and that there's no organic remains left on the planet which seems curious. They don't seem to have been killed by the droids so who really knows. Then they ask Jar Jar what he thinks and he turns around and he has green eyes as well. He launches at Anakin and Padme, and then Milo's dream ends. He notes that he wakes up at that point. So he tells Crater about all these things, but Crater isn't really saying anything. He's just silently holding this glowing green cube. Milo doesn't notice any of this, and Crater then zaps Milo, which stuns him and knocks him out. And Crater muses that he would never hurt Milo unless the Dark Lord commanded it, and his eyes are now glowing green as he carries Milo away from the archive. So that is where issue number one ends, so we move on to issue number two. This is called Attack of the 50-Foot Wookiee. The artist and colour artist are both Derek Charm, who worked on the Return to Vader's Castle framing story. 
So this story starts on Chandrilla. Now, Chandrilla is the home to the New Republic Senate, and it is also the homeworld of Mon Mothma, who is a famous senator, and also for all of us watching Andor, she's quite a critical character in that. She's obviously a major part of the Rebellion. You see her in Star Wars Rebels, you see her in A New Hope. I think you see her in the whole of the original trilogy, and obviously you do see her in Rogue One as well, but she's quite an important character especially for after the empire falls she becomes the chancellor of the new republic if you want to find out a bit more about that there's a really great book by claudia gray called bloodline it's sort of set halfway ish between return of the jedi and the force awakens and it's all about the political climate of the new republic and how it kind of fostered the birthing of the first order it's really interesting there's a couple of other bits in there that are really cool but yeah check out that book so on Chandrilla, Lena asks Chancellor Mon Mothma for a ship because she wants to go to Mustafar. She says it's been days since she spoke with Milo. Their last conversation had something to do with Mustafar and she keeps having a really bad dream about it. So she says, can I go? Mon Mothma says, no, basically. Uh, I'm sorry, you've done a lot of great things for the New Republic, but we can't just send you off with a ship to Mustafar, which is still in an Imperial controlled space to the fortress of Darth Vader because you've had a bad dream. We, we just can't do that, I'm afraid. So Lena leaves and then Leia goes after her and Leia tells her to go instead to Amita because there's a pilot there that may actually fly Lena to where she wants to go. So Amita or Emita, E-M-I-T-A. This is actually its first appearance in canon, but in Legends it appeared in a source book as a small city on Chandrilla. There's very little other information we know about that and this story is not going to give you very much either, aside from the fact there's a bar there. So, Lena goes to this bar, and there you've got a character called Jackson telling the story of his recurring nightmare. Now, Jackson is quite an interesting character. His full name is Jackson T. Tumparaki. He was first in the Star Wars Adventures Annual of 2018. That's in canon, that is. Because Kevin Scott is like his favourite character in all of Star Wars. And Kevin Scott, who obviously wrote these, tries to get Jackson into any story he can. He's got them into a couple of Star Wars Adventures Annuals, and he also has obviously got them in this story. Plus, he wrote the certain point of view story for The Empire Strikes Back, centering around Jackson too. Now, Jackson is a lepi, L-E-P-I, space key and anthropomorphic rabbit person. He wears a flight suit at all times, it seems, and he was actually first in Legends. He's one of the oldest characters in all of Star Wars. He even is older than really the Emperor, I'd say. It's, it's quite interesting. Basically, after A New Hope came out, obviously at the time just called Star Wars, they released a line of Star Wars comics to go alongside it to kind of show what Han, Chewie and Leia and stuff were all doing after A New Hope before Empire Strikes Back. So in issues 8, 9, 10, 11, and 16, Jackson makes an appearance. His, so it's basically just one, maybe two storylines to do with the main group, but that's when he first appeared. And that was released in like 1977, 1978. The comic run started in 97, but I believe these issues in particular came out in 1978, maybe even 1979. So it was still before Empire Strikes Back came out, and that's where he came from. And that's how Kevin Scott kind of got into Star Wars through the comics, and that kind of spiraled off from there, which is one of the reasons why Kevin Scott likes to have him in lots of stories. Now, I've already mentioned about Jackson's other appearances, but the Lepi also appeared in something recently, which is the Force Awakens adaptation comic as a background character. So there are Lepi elsewhere in the galaxy. But if you watch Star Wars Visions, which is like not strictly speaking canon, it could be considered canon, but maybe not. Visions is the weird own universe kind of thing per episode. And there's an episode called Lop and Ocho. And Lop is a Lepi as well. So Lepi have appeared elsewhere, but they're they're quite a new thing to the canon, mainly just anything that Kevin Scott can put them in. And maybe there's a few as background characters. But aside from Visions and stuff Kevin Scott's made, they're not really seen very much. 
But back to the story. So this is Jackson's nightmare. So he's on Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee homeworld, and he's speaking with a Wookiee elder, or trying to, because a Wookiee elder won't let him off world. He's got some sort of delivery that he's not allowed to send. Han Solo and Chewbacca then appear and confirm that it is the Festival of Bounty. And Wookiees believe it's essentially bad luck to move any food off world. And what Jackson's trying to move is a few boxes of these berries. Jackson asks, well, how long do I have to wait here then? And he's like, oh, uh, three weeks. And Jackson's like, uh, no. So Jackson gets this ship, which is called the Rabbit's Foot, and flies off with the berries in tow. And then Chewie grows absolutely gigantic, I assume 50 foot, as the title of this comic says, and grabs his ship. Chewie then destroys the ship, but Jackson did manage to get out beforehand. He's saying this is absolutely ridiculous, and even mentions a note of the Carizian Chronicles. He's like, this is absolutely ridiculous, and I've read the Carizian Chronicles. The Carizian Chronicles, they're mentioned in Solo, a Star Wars story, but they're in Legends quite a bit. It's basically Lando Carizian speaking into an audio device and recording his adventures through his eyes. There is the Lando series, which still is seemingly coming out, but we haven't really heard anything about it, and everyone's kind of hoping that's going to delve more deeply into the Carizian Chronicles in canon but at the moment in canon there's not really that much it just often gets mentioned and in the Lando comics I've tackled on the show Double or Nothing and just the Lando comic he mentions them in both and I think in Double or Nothing when he's his younger self portrayed more so by Donald Glover that's when you kind of hear about them a bit more but yeah, back to the story. So we've got a 50-foot Chewbacca trying to kill Jackson by basically destroying everything on Kashyyyk inside, picking up whole trees, which are the Wuxia trees, picking those up, slamming them down, destroying settlements and things. Han tries to stop him, but fails, is picked up by Chewie, a little bit like King Kong, and then the Elder decides to push a berry into Jax's mouth, and it turns out to be a magic berry, and he turns into a giant 50-foot rabbit thing. So it's basically a giant kaiju battle. And the artwork in this issue in particular looks absolutely amazing. The giant Chewie and giant Jackson are really, really cool to see. I will also say that his name is Jackson, but he does get called Jax sometimes, so that may cause some confusion to any of you if you hear me say Jax or Jackson. It's the same person. So they do a bit of fighting. There's quite a few pages of fighting, so you know, check out those comics. It's really cool to see. But Jax does eventually beat Chewie, and then they both return to normal size. Han Solo is furious at Jax because he caused all of these things, caused the damage and stuff, and Jax is like, well, I didn't. It was Chewie. And he's like, yes, but Chewie did that and turned into that giant monster thing because of you. Han then eats one of those magic berry things, turns into a giant 50-foot Han Solo who looks quite scary as well. He looks like a monster. And then he reaches for Jax to get him, and then Jax awakens from his nightmare. And he notes he's barely been getting any sleep due to these nightmares. Now Jackson is just telling basically anyone in the bar who's listening. So Lena does approach him and makes him jump. And then says that other people are having nightmares too. So she wants Jax to help. Jax doesn't want to help because he doesn't want anyone who is associated with Han or Leia or anything like that. Because he's already done that before. Obviously a little nod to Legends. But Lena seemingly does manage to convince him. Then the final panel of this comic shows that on Mustafar, Crater has then delivered Milo Graf to Vinay, who says the rest should arrive very soon. So that's the end of issue number two. We move on to issue number three, which is called Danger on Dagobah. Robert Hack is the artist and the colour artist for the dream sequence in this comic. So let's get into the story. So you've got Tom Hud and Skrit working on a job for the New Republic. Tom Hunt's script were both from the prior Vader's Castle comics, so check those out. 
And while they're working, a Minoc attacks. So Minocs are these flying bat things. You saw them in Empire Strikes Back. They're actually when the Falcon parks up in the Exogorth, slash the giant space slug, in there, and they think they've stopped in a nice cozy asteroid field. The Minocs then try and sap energy from the Millennium Falcon, because Minocs feed on energy. They attach to ships, suck out energy from the power cells, and then often leave these ships just useless. So this Minoc is attacking HUD and Skrit, or rather the stuff they're working on, and HUD decides to throw Skrit at the Minoc. Now Skrit is a Peasel, which is basically like a, it's kind of like a woodlouse slash a pill bug, or maybe like a small millipede. That sort of creature is just a bug thing that can talk and has a face and has like a hard shell. So he picks up this rolled up giant bug and throws it at the Minoc, which scares it off. Now, I will say, I think that these Peasels have only really appeared in the comics. Maybe, I think they're in a book or two, but obviously that's just written. I imagine if we saw them in live action, it would be absolutely terrifying, but we shall see what the future holds. So after that interaction and the Minox flown away, Skrit then asks HUD what's wrong with him, and HUD says that he keeps having this exact same dream over and over again every night. And so, here's the dream. He's in a ship with THE Luke Skywalker. He notes to Skrit, I know how weird this sounds, but trust me, this is who I'm with. And Luke apparently asked Tom Hud to help him find some old Jedi artifacts, because Lena vouched for him, hence why he was there. Hud then has flashbacks of his time being tortured for stealing an ancient artifact. That was back in episode 103 of Comics and Canon, as I said, Return to Vader's Castle. And the duo then land on Dagobah, and they are also there with R2-D2. HUD is having flashbacks to his time in Vader's castle, and then they get to Yoda's hut, which is seemingly destroyed. Luke is really taken aback by this and asks what on earth happened, but then they find a hollow on the floor of a property developer, who confirms that they are basically trying to somewhat terraform Dagobah to be able to make money off it, but in the hollow recording, it's shown that this property developer is killed by a monster. Now, this monster seems to be like the creature from Black Lagoon, that's the best way I'll describe it, so Google that if you want to find out what it looks like. This creature then appears and attacks. It attacks Luke and Hud, and Hud is hit and flies into the water. He then sees skeletons of Lena and the crew, and it freaks him out a little bit. He comes out of the water and runs, and then he sees a giant snake with Vinay's face on it, and the snake says that no one is coming to save him. This freaks out Hud even more, and then he finds Luke's skeleton hung up from a tree along with a R2-D2 that's had all its wiring and etc. pulled out. Luke's skeleton then talks to him and says that the monster is the spirit of Dagobah, but the force is out of balance and Tom Hud needs to make it back into balance and he needs to use the lightsaber. So Hud takes the lightsaber but then runs and then when the creature then tries to attack him, he turns to fight. He ignites the blade and the creature just runs away. He then hears a voice and turns around and sees that Luke and R2-D2 are both there completely fine. He's a bit confused by what earth is going on as anyone should be and then Luke says that even the spirits know not to mess with Tom Hud. And then Tom is even more confused as what is going on. He says that Luke was dead but he's not and Luke doesn't really seem to address this and then they continue walking and talking and then Tom says, I don't know how this will happen, but there wasn't anyone else here. And then we see the Force Ghost of Yoda, which is a nice little thing. Always good to see Yoda pop up. And that's the end of the dream. Obviously, it is some really cool artwork in this. You get to see a bit of a little bit of fighting. Anything with Luke is cool to see. And obviously, seeing more Dagobah is a bit of fun. But now, with Tom being awake and talking to Skrit about this, he says that he thinks it might be a warning with all the stuff going on. You know, there's so much talk about the Force and whatnot. It's quite bizarre. Skrit is not necessarily convinced by this, and then while they're still working, they disturb a Minox nest. But then a ship lands to save them from being swarmed by these beasts. 
The ship is the rabbit's foot. It has Lena and Jackson on it, who need help saving Milo from Vader's castle. Tom is freaked out by just the sound of Vader's castle. Then the comic ends. So issue number four is called Beware the Chosen One. The artist and colour artist for this is Chris Fenoglio. So it starts off with Jax, Script, and HUD arguing while the ship is being pursued by TIE fighters. Lena Graf is in the back and she's telling them to stop arguing and whatnot but they don't seem to be hearing her so she gets a little bit closer and notices that they're gone and so are the pursuing TIE fighters and the ship seems to just be floating in empty space. She notices that someone is sat in the captain's chair and they're talking to her so she gets a little bit closer, the chair spins around and who's there? A young Anakin Skywalker as in when Jake Lloyd was playing Anakin back in The Phantom Menace. But this young Anakin has got yellow dark side eyes, much like you see Anakin have when he's on Mustafar after he's just slaughtered all of these separatist leaders. The young Anakin sat in the chair, then throws one of the chairs in the ship at Lena and then slowly walks after her, calling after her, mocking her generally, calling her a child and things, and after he calls her a child, she then turns into one. She's then running away and she goes through like a few doors and whatnot and then she trips over a droid. She checks and it is Crater who is all damaged, their head is severed and he is saying to be careful, run, just get away. This version of Anakin does manage to find her and it is now Clone Wars era Anakin or the Revenge of the Sith era Anakin. So he's got long hair, he's got a scar on his eyes, he's an adult wearing Jedi robes and has a lightsaber. But his lightsaber is actually a fire sword. As he goes after her, he says, this is where the fun begins, which obviously is an iconic line from Revenge of the Sith. And then he's running at her and then as he misses, he slices Crater. She's continuing to run through the ship. There's still quite a lot of back and forth dialogue, but obviously if you want to get all of that, make sure we pick up the comic. And as he is pursuing her, he's saying that her friends, her parents and her brother are all dead. She manages to find a young Milo on this ship somehow and then hugs him. And he says that there's no hope for him. And then his bones start to contort and he seems to like scream and things. And then he becomes Anakin. But he is wearing the Vader suit, excluding the helmet. And he says that he is Vader resurrected. He is Vader reborn. Then he starts to force choke her and then Lena wakes up. She was in her bed on the ship and then Jax comes to her. So she kind of walks over to the cockpit in a daze after hearing Jax yell out. And it shows that Vader is in the cockpit and then launches at her. Then suddenly she's awake again. Tom Hud's there as well as Skrit and Jax. And they're kind of looking at her and stuff. And Tom's like, are you right? You just fell asleep as you walked into this room. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. So then the ship lands on Mustafar and they head to Fortress Vader. Jackson notes that he's unafraid of this. It doesn't seem as scary as he thought. But Tom Hud is petrified. The dreams are getting to each of them and they are getting worse. But Lena mentions that they aren't real and that they can't hurt you. And that is where issue four ends. So obviously that one I did kind of speed through somewhat, but it's quite an isolated story, but it is really, really cool. I like anything uh, along these lines when you get like a varied version of an already existing character and seeing Anakin with a lightsaber made of fire and also a young dark side Anakin was quite an interesting thing. But with that all in mind, we move on to the final issue, which is issue number five. It's called The Evil's End and there are no guest artists on this. It is just Francesco Francavilla as the artist and colour artist as he has been for all of these framing stories. So let's get into it. So the group gets to Vader's castle and Tom Hud tries to hack into the door but Jax runs out of patience and just kicks it down. 
Lena then gets a comm from Milo Graf asking for help, so they try and pick up the pace. Further in, Vader seems to attack them, but he's holding a blue lightsaber. Tom, for some unknown reason, decides to throw Skrit at Vader. It knocks Vader's head off, and it shows that it was actually Crater, who's wearing like a Vader suit. He seems to have been brainwashed somehow, or reprogrammed, as they say it with droids. But with his head being taken off the body, he seems to have been fine now, and his programming has been conveniently reset. He then guides them on where to go to find Milo, who is in this green tube. He seems to be... It's almost like a back to tank, it kind of seems like, but everything looks all green and ominous and whatnot. So they go over to the table and then try and release him. Jax mentions something about maybe we shouldn't just immediately let him out. And before he can finish his thought, they are all electrocuted. And it shows that Venet tricked them and now has them all captured. Vene confirms that he's been the one causing their dreams. I suspect it's from issue number one. He did some sort of Sith ritual to cause it. And then Jackson asks, well, why me? Because I've got no association with Lena or any of these other people. And Vene's like, sorry, who are you? <laughs> so they, so maybe Jax is just having a reoccurring nightmare that's got nothing to do with any of these things. No one really knows why Jax is there, which makes it really funny because Cavan Scott will just find any excuse to put Jax in a story. And in this one, he's like, yeah, don't know why, but he's here, <laughs> which I, I love that. That really made me giggle when I read it. So it's confirmed that what Vinay is trying to do is he's trying to resurrect Darth Vader. And what he's trying to do is sacrifice Lena to do it, and then her body will be the vessel for Vader's soul. And Lena confirms, but she was on Endor. She saw the Death Star to explode. She knows that Palpatine and also Vader are both dead. And it's confirmed then that Vinay has been using the lava fumes of Mustafar and Sith rituals to kind of make this come to fruition in some way, because the lava fumes on Mustafar can create or cause hallucinations. So the fumes then start to turn each of the captured people's dreams into monsters. So you get to see all of their kind of, each of these stories, you get to see like a spectre in the smoke created out of the main villain, the main monster of their specific dreams. So once again, the artwork is really, really cool. But obviously the gang of these people are all freaking out and things. And then the smoke starts to enter Lena and her eyes start to roll back and she goes limp. In a very cold voice, Lena's body then asks Vinay to release Vader, to release her as in being Vader. He looks completely shocked by this, but he does as he's told. He unlocks her restraints and things. And Lena's body then says to deal with the prisoners. Asks for a lightsaber, is past the blue one, the crater as Vader used earlier and then is about to seemingly kill one of the prisoners, but then frees them. Lena then confirms that the fumes seem to show you what you most fear, so Vinay clearly saw Vader coming back because that's what Vinay fears the most. But Lena is not possessed by anything. Milo goes up to Vinay and then punches him, and he falls into the restraint chair, and they lock him in. The room is starting to fill up more and more with smoke from the Mustafar fumes, and so... The gang all kind of collect together, but they're not sure where to go. But then they seem to spot Lena Graf's lightsaber, as in the, the blue one. So they follow that and manage to get out to safety. Vinay, meanwhile, is stuck with the fumes and is being tortured by an angry vision of Darth Vader. It looks a little bit like the artwork in the Vader Dark Visions. I think it was the one where someone gets infected by something and is hallucinating while running away from Vader. And in that issue, you see some really crazy artwork of Vader. It reminds me a little bit of that. So the gang managed to get out of Fortress Vader, but Lena is actually the last one who exits. And she notes that it's quite frustrating because her lightsaber stopped working once Renee fell into the restraint chair. 
they then all are like, well, how how did we get out? We thought we followed your lightsaber to get out, and they don't really know. They get on the rabbit foot ship and fly away. They are confused, but they are safe. And Jax makes a joke saying, oh, maybe it was a ghost or something. And they're like, yeah, can we not talk about that while we're escaping and things? And then the final panels of this shows that the lightsaber they saw was actually Anakin's lightsaber. It was Anakin Skywalker's force ghost that guided them out. And when he sees the rabbit's foot fly away, he just does a light chuckle to himself. And that's where the comic ends. And I will add in here, this is going to be a very, very minor spoiler for Shadow of the Sith, the book. Obviously, I did a book review on that a little while ago, so check that out. But in that, you actually get a full conversation between Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker's Force Ghost. This is Luke, you know, only a few years before The Force Awakens. And so I think it's five or ten years before The Force Awakens. And you get a full conversation and Anakin basically saves Luke from something. It's I won't spoil what, but it's a really, really cool interaction. And when I was listening to the audiobook of Shadow of the Sith, I was like, oh my god. So anytime I see Anakin's Force Ghost in anything, it makes me happy because I just don't think we've had enough of Force Ghosts of anything, really. We've got a couple of Yoda Force Ghosts. We've got a couple of Obi-Wan Force Ghosts. I want to see more. I love Force Ghosts. But yeah, seeing Anakin in this just really put a smile on my face. Him being the one to save the group from his old worshipper in his old fortress. I just think that's it's very poetic and it works very well. But that is the end of Ghosts of Vader's Castle. So that means I have tackled all of the Vader's Castle comics, aside from there's one which is called Shadow of Vader's Castle. It was released as a free comic book on Free Comic Book Day a few years ago. I do not possess this. I can't find it anywhere, apart from on eBay, someone selling it for like 70 quid, uh, which I can't really warrant spending £70 plus £20 delivery on a single free comic book day comic. So I'm afraid that is going to be one of the few comics that I will probably not be tackling on this. Unless any of you listeners appreciate my show so much, especially if you're in America, and you can actually find a copy of this somewhere, uh, please send it to me. I will be forever in your debt, and I'll give you a nice little shout out on the show, and I'll even do any show you want me to do about anything, even if it's Legends. But yeah, I can't I can't get a hold of that. I wouldn't actually expect anyone to spend that kind of money on a one-off comic book uh, for me. But if someone does, I'll do a podcast on it. But my friends, what else is going on? Well, obviously, I'm doing the weekly discussion show of Andor. Uh, so I've been taking turns hosting with uh, Jack, who is a pop gorilla and a member of the Comics Emotion family. As of releasing this episode, I believe the episode of Andor should have just been released. I'm recording it on Thursday night. Uh, should be recording it with Brett Scott of Marvel+. Plus. He's appeared on the Comics Emotion feed a couple times, and he's just a lovely guy. So I'm very excited to talk to him about that, because uh, as of recording this, I haven't yet spoken to him because I'm doing that tonight. I normally record these on Thursdays. And then I normally do Andor the evening as well. So it's quite busy. Um, but yes, so the Andor Discussion weekly shows, they're coming out on the feed of Comics in Motion. They're also on my YouTube channel. They're in a special playlist as well. Some of them have video, some of them don't. It just depends on the guests and stuff. But uh, they're a lot of fun to do. So if you want to hear discussions and thoughts on Andor, check that out. If you are listening to this and you haven't checked out Andor, by the way, you are hugely missing out. I would argue it's probably the best Star Wars we've had. I would argue it's probably the best made Star Wars we've ever had. But in the scope of things and then the season hasn't even finished yet it's just it's absolutely incredible i'm just anyone who's not watching this because they weren't a fan of mandalorian or book of boba fett or kenobi or anything like that ignore all that watch andor if you liked the rogue one if you like the original trilogy if you just like star wars in general you need to check out andor it's incredible 
But yes, aside from the Andor discussion shows that are coming out weekly, what else have I been up to and what else am I doing? Well, for comics in canon, so next week I'm probably going to do the Midnight Horizon book review. I've been promising that for a very long time, and now that Phase 2 has just started, it's probably a good time to get it out. I just want a little bit of a break so you can have a couple of comic-y episodes as well uh, before I delve back into book reviews and stuff. So I'll probably be doing that next week. I've got quite a lot of notes on it. It'll obviously be spoiler-free at the start, and then I'll get more into details of that. Then that'll be all of the phase one stuff of the high republic tackled on this very show so that'll probably be next week the week after that is probably going to be one of the sort of in-between episodes uh so hidden empire is starting towards the end of november i think it's the end of november or end of october it's starting in the next within the next month or so and so before i delve into that i need to tackle some of the comics that are the in-between ones so from where crimson rain finished which was obviously tying into dr afra star wars darth vader and bounty hunters and from where hidden empire started there's like three or four middle ground issues so i'm going to try and do two episodes one episode tackling like afra and vader and the other one tackling like star wars and bounty hunters or i'll probably put bounty hunters and vader together actually because valance seems to pop up in both occasionally so that's probably what i'll do so it'll be afra and star wars which will work well because they did a collaborate they did a crossover back in the their first respective runs in the screaming citadel uh, which i tackled that ages ago on comics and canon so make sure you go check that out too but yeah that's probably what i'm going to do then obviously there's clone wars battle tales that i'm going to do i also recently finished padawan by uh kirsten white which is a young adult novel about obi-wan um i'm probably going to release that on my patreon because on my patreon i've got a few uh, exclusive book reviews of canon stuff that i don't release elsewhere but i've also got a few legend stuff as well because i see this is the feed of comics in canon not comics in legends but if you want to hear some of my thoughts on legends books and support the show please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat because you get that and loads of other bits of bonus content including there have been like 12 episodes of afterthoughts which are for the spooky season so we did the five screen movies we did the others we did hocus pocus we've done the fly lots of cool things myself and megan talking about films and tv series that we watch we've got loads more to come before the year is out so if you want to support the show get bonus star wars content and get bonus content that's not specifically to do with star wars please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat but as well as that stuff obviously you can follow me on social media at genuine chit chat you get photos of the comics i've been tackling including on this week's one as well as snippets of genuine chit chat episodes as well so check out that obviously check out my show genuine chit chat i've had loads of conversations that are to do with star wars that are fun to check out and loads that have got nothing to do with star wars either but if you are enjoying this please consider checking out the one that i released recently it's with elise mccall she's an artist she's done some artwork for comic books and if you enjoy the craft of artwork and you like hearing people's interpretations on stuff go check out that podcast it's a really really good one i've done a couple of guest spots semi recently i went on frank burns i like the sound podcast i was on series two of that uh, i was also on ike's flame podcast to talk about the high republic phase one and then i also appeared on the she hulk discussion show on the feed of comics in motion on episode seven so you can check those things out if you so desire i'm also popping up on comics in motion yet again on top of the and or discussion show because myself and tony farina of indie comic spotlight are going to be talking about miracle man um, I imagine that's going to fall under the banner of Indie Comic Spotlight, but although it's technically Marvel, but we shall see about that. He's the host in that regard, so I don't need to worry too much about that. Uh, there's a few other bits and pieces in the background, as there usually is, but I will not talk about those until they are released or done or whatever. So that's generally what you can expect from me. I've already waffled on about Patreon. I've said about supporting me and the show. Obviously, please share this with your friends on social media. Tell everyone you've ever met about these episodes, because especially if they're a Star Wars fan, 
please consider rating and reviewing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, any of those lovely places. It just shares the love of genuine chit chat as well as comics in motion and specifically Star Wars comics in canon. So any of those things you want to do really helps the show out. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way to the very end of my rambles. Uh, I will be bringing you the Midnight Horizon book review next week. And then from there, we'll continue with the comics to the end of the year. And I'll try and get all caught up again as I was before. I know there's a couple more mini series coming out. Obviously, the Hansel and Jabaka series is still ongoing, but that won't be finished too early 2023. The Yoda series is starting soon, but I think there's a mini series as well by Kevin Scott, I believe. So there's a few of those. There's the High Republic comics starting up again, but I probably won't tackle those until I've tackled the Path of Deceit book review. But I haven't actually got Path of Deceit yet because we live in the UK. And in the UK, no one's got Path of deceit yet uh, hopefully it's going to be coming very soon i think i got an email about my supplier taking money out my card for an amount that looks like a book so i sh- probably should have checked that before waffling on this but i think i should be getting the book very soon but i have started uh, reading the force collector young adult novel as well which i've been really enjoying so i don't know we shall see about all that stuff the, the high republic stuff i try and do in chronological order so anyone listening along kind of gets a good idea of what's happening but you know go from there But that's enough, my friends. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. And I'll talk to yourselves next week with Midnight Horizon, the week after that with more comics. And as always, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.